Hi everyone, thanks for listening. It's Mary Mango again. I have a moment to myself, so I thought I would um, take a moment and uh, kind of define some terms that I use. Um, I use a couple of terms in my intro video, like ANCOM or anarchist and communist and nihilist and things like that. And it occurred to me that a lot of people might not know what that means, so um, I might not get to finish in this episode, but uh, we'll see. So I wanted to start with um, nihilism, and what I mean by that is that I don't believe in like an ultimate meaning of things. Like, I believe that everything is meaningless. Life is meaningless. We're not here for a reason. Um, there's no, there's no fate, you know, everything is chaos, that kind of thing. Um, it doesn't, doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, in a certain sense, like, nothing truly matters. And to some people, they assume that that means I have this, like, really bleak kind of outlook on life, but Actually, my mindset became much more positive after discovering nihilism and uh, appreciating how compatible it was with my beliefs. Um, So, to me, it's peaceful because it it's liberating in the sense that it it puts the onus on each person to create their own meaning in this existence. And instead of, you know, searching outside yourself, you know, hoping for someone to give you some kind of purpose and tell you what your life is supposed to mean and why you do the things you do, you have to decide that. And, you know, when something bad happens to you or when, you know, when bad things happen to good people, especially kind of thing, like, there's no reason for that. It's just that there are certain forces set up in society and in the world and in nature, and they happen to, you know, collide at times that are very inconvenient, and who knows who it's going to happen to. Um, And then, uh, I'll probably get more into that later, um, but that pretty much covers what I think about that. Um, For the term anarchism... Um, for most people, it conjures this silly image of, like, um, bitchy little kids that are like, oh, you know, don't tell me what to do, dad, you know, like, uh, I'm gonna wear black and I'm gonna, you know, wear torn jeans and go skateboarding and stuff like that, you know, like, like, just some rude little teenager thing because they don't want to follow rules, but, uh, I was I was talking to my dad about this recently, and those kids uh, sometimes end up finding actual anarchists, and we tell them, uh, that sucks, buddy, because anarchy doesn't mean no rules. Um, it means no hierarchies. So that's, that's what I try to put into people's heads, is anarchy is opposition to unjust hierarchy. That's it. That's like the core of it. And so, 
what that naturally entails is a constant struggle against uh, forces of oppression, such as, you know, the big one that people know being um, class warfare, uh, you know, the rich against the poor, the bourgeois against the proletariat, um, you know, that kind of thing. The, there's always a ruling class and a working class. And, you know, class struggle is real, but it's also not the only struggle we have. Um, so, uh, anarchism also positions itself in opposite, you know, in opposition to um, patriarchy, you know, the rule over men, rule of men over women, uh, misogyny, rape culture, that kind of thing, um, racism, white supremacy, um, you know, cis sexism, transphobia, homophobia, uh, ableism, that kind of thing, you know, uh, creating a world that's, that's not accommodating to disabled people, you know, that's not in the anarchist spirit, because that creates an, a hierarchy between the abled and the disabled, um, and that's not what we want, so, um, and people have kind of, they don't really understand what we mean when we say a hierarchy either, um, and what we mean is that, for example, there are always going to be people who know more about something than you do. And it's okay for there to be experts. It's, it's okay for there to be leaders, you know, in certain situations. The difference is that, you know, a person leading um, an organization project or a construction project or an art project doesn't make decisions affecting your life, you know, they don't get to decide, you know, your livelihood, you know, the way that, say, your boss does, and it might not be explicit in the relationship, but the employer-employee relationship is inherently exploitative, and it's a very unjust hierarchy where you, your existence depends on maintaining some type of at least lukewarm relationship with an employer. Um, <clears throat> if the relationship is really not good, you'll probably end up fired, um, which puts your access to housing, food, you know, clothing, uh, water, all those things uh, at risk, which is, that's, why is that? Why can that person hold that power over you? That doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you need to know about making shoes, you go to a shoemaker. And that's fine, and that's natural. That's a, that's a natural, just hierarchy. But the shoemaker doesn't tell you what you can do with your life. It doesn't tell you, you know, how much money you should make, or where you should live, or anything like that. What to do with your time. So, uh... And likewise, nobody is telling that to the shoemaker. So he might not even be making shoes all the time. Uh, he might also do, um, you know, he might also be a plumber. And I'll get into that in a different um, episode about about communism and how the gift uh, economy works. But um, that brings us over to communism. And people get very confused about the term anarchist communism or anarcho-communism 
or just ANCOM for short. And, uh, and, uh, what we mean by communism is a community-based, uh, egalitarian society where, um, wealth cannot be hoarded by a small class of people. And, of course, you know, this has been, this is a popular concept. Um, people have tried it, you know, guys like Marx and Engels and Lenin, uh, you know, wrote a lot about it. It was a really popular thing in, you know, between the 20s and the 50s. Um, you know, because capitalism sucks, and it sucked really bad at that time. <laughs> Around the Industrial Revolution, capitalism was just, I mean, even more of a menace than it is now, possibly. It was brutal. So, people were thinking, like, what, do we really need this? Like, <laughs> Is this really necessary? So, socialism and communism were huge on people's minds, uh, and part of, part of, you know, the unrest around that time was a global effort to stomp out that interest, and it worked really well, actually, um, especially considering that the only societies that did adopt a quote-unquote communist model for themselves, like China and Russia, um, turned out to not be communist at all. You know, contemporary communists don't acknowledge the communist structure of those nations. They, um, they recognize them as being, uh, centralized capitalist governments. And, uh, that's what they do. The government is made to, uh, pool money into its center and away from the workers. And then theoretically distribute it as necessary, but who knows? No one's accountable. No one's being accountable for that. So, uh, you know, and China is the biggest, you know, capitalist machine in the world, possibly. Um, so that's not what we mean when we say communist, obviously, especially as anarchists who don't like governments. Uh, so we do believe that you can have a type of society where... Um, you know, the sort of societal order and values and culture are determined by the people themselves. Um, you know, that you don't need laws or governments or police to make you do the right thing. You just, you know, you're taught the right thing. You're educated and you make decisions that you feel are right. Um, and this couldn't work in a way that, again, starts with smaller ground-level communities. And these communities work together, you know, maybe starting with little family units, either, you know, biological nuclear families or chosen families. Either could be possible. Um, and reaching out into other smaller units, you know, so that now you have a network. And then those networks uh, create a sort of local commune, and these local communes can reach out to other communes and, and so on and so forth all the way up to where you can communicate on a global level. And while maybe that wasn't feasible in the early part of, you know, the 20th century, 
but we uh, we live in a really different time now with internet, with electric vehicles, um, all kind. You know, we have more medicine, more food, more housing than we know what to do with. But we also <laughs> we also don't know what to do with the people who can't participate for some reason in the capitalist system that we've used to distribute these resources. So, you know, you've got more empty houses than you have homeless people, but there's no way for those homeless people to get into those houses because they're blocked by capital. And in a communist sense, there's no reason for that. You can just put people in houses or you can allow them to squat their own houses and you know if somebody comes up they find a house they're like oh that's cool oh there's somebody already living here you know they can move on and they have to respect that that house is already being occupied um that gets into the concept of private property versus personal property um which again i'll get into in another time when i have more time dedicated to talking about just communism so, um, you can see how these things, you know, they get into concepts that, to be honest, most people agree with. You know, they agree that, that homeless people should be housed and that people should have access to healthcare, uh, that everyone should have access to healthcare, that, uh, everyone should have access to food, um, those aren't the controversial ideas. So, you can talk to people about the, you know, and they believe that workers should have some type of say in their workplace conditions and things like that. So, most, I think most people technically are rather socialist uh, in their thoughts, but the Red Scare and, you know, various anti-communist efforts have been so effective that it's almost like a specter. It's like, if people know you're a communist, it's it's uh, spooky, you know? It's like, wow, I didn't know those people still existed. Like, am I in danger? <laughs> and so you don't want, like, people don't want to be told that they believe things that communists believe. And they'll immediately start pointing out reasons why they're not communist and reasons why communism doesn't work. And it's very, very strange. Um... So, uh, so it's difficult to reconcile these types of things and get people really on board with super leftist concepts because, um, they just get so caught up in terminology and, you know, the, the history of things. And of course the history is important to learn from and to know, but we don't have to be stuck in it. Um, and surely some actual communists are stuck in it. You know, they're stuck in Lenin worship or Stalin worship. <laughs> you know, Stalin worship. Uh, and, you know, Marx worship. And that's, you know, that's not right either. You need to learn from people. You know, we can't be worshipping texts written by old dead white men forever. Uh, we have to move on at some point, you know, and adapt those to our new modern world, which has way more opportunities in it than, you know, Marx could have fathomed. So, um, I should probably cut this, cut this off now, because we're getting up to, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> um, but, 
yeah, that was just some kind of brief definitions of uh, things that are central to my uh, outlook and my conversations. And, you know, they come up with uh, with the Doc and Mary podcast very frequently. So um, thanks for listening and I uh, love you and I'll talk to you later. Bye.